Hey everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun. Games Are Fun is a weekly video game podcast where I, Luke Armstrong, talk to you guys each week about video game news stories and highlights from the past week that I found interesting. How's everyone doing? I hope everyone's good out there. I love how I asked you guys, but I know I'm not getting a response because that's not how this works. But uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Games Are Fun. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, what is Games Are Fun? Games Are Fun is a, like I said, weekly podcast where I talk about video games. I talk about news stories. Um, I talk about games coming out. I talk about games I'm playing. I talk about games I played when I was a kid. This podcast is devoted to talking about video games. So if you're interested in video games, this is the show for you. You've come to the right place. And of course, this isn't your first time listening to it and you're a regular listener. Welcome back to the show. Um, I hope you enjoy episode 14 of Games Are Fun. What's going on today in today's show? Well, Cyberpunk 2077 released its gameplay footage to the general public and you know I got lots to talk about with that. Um, so I'm just going to leave it out of that, save everything else. That's the teaser. That's that's all you get. Um, that's what is going to be the primary topic on today's show. And then while we're on the topic of open world games, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about open world games as a genre. I was kind of watching that gameplay footage video and just look just being amazed on how awesome and expansive this open world game looks. And it got me thinking of like, what makes an open world game good? Why do we like open world games? Or why do people not like open world games? So I thought, you know, I would talk about that kind of stuff, not giving you a list of the best open world video games out there. Because, you know, anybody could do that. I just wanted to give you my thoughts and opinions on the topic. Open, open world games are probably my favorite genre of video game. And I think it's always good to look back and highlight what, why we like the games that we do, right? Um, so I thought I'd talk about that. And of course, to end off the show, we have the question of the week. Last week's question was, what, sorry, do you have to play a game to completion in order to be, to call yourself a, a major fan of the game? So some of you guys wrote in some very well articulated responses and I <laughs> responded back with saying, great, thanks for the response, but I have lots to say, but of course I got to save it for the show. And so that's what I'm doing, giving my thoughts on the subject because I have lots of thoughts on that. Um, that's something I think about actually quite often. And so I wanted to take the time to tell you guys what I think on that. And then we'll give you the new question of the week and that is the show. Um, wherever you're listening to, Games are fun. iTunes, Google Play Music, CastBox, SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe to, uh, to the show if you like it. Make sure you like, comment. Uh, your feedback is really appreciated as always. So thanks to everyone who takes the time out of their day, that little extra bit of time to make sure that they uh, give their thoughts on the show. It really goes a long way to me because then I can know what I can improve on. Housekeeping for you guys. Before we get into all the topics I want to discuss, so about a month ago, I decided that uh, I wanted to do kind of a community let's play with you guys, the listeners. You know, it's fun talking 
about video games here on the podcast and then talking with you guys about you know what's what was discussed on the shows and stuff but i thought it'd be fun to actually get together and play games that you know the thing that we love to to talk about and to do and so i wanted to do basically a community let's play where each month i put out a game it can be on PS4, maybe Xbox One, maybe even Switch if I can find enough people that would be into that. I want to put a game and invite you guys, as many people as we can have, into play the game. Um, and just, you know, hang out and have fun in that regard. I also want to stream these games each month on Twitch. If you listen to a couple episodes ago, I was talking about how I really want to get into streaming and I now have all the devices I need in order to do that so uh twitch is some and twix and mixer actually are two platforms that i hope to be streaming on in the near future um, but you can definitely expect these community let's plays that i hope to plan each month are definitely going to be streamed so if this is something that you're not really interested in but you kind of want to check out at the same time i think uh just looking at the twitch stream would be would be fun as well and so uh follow up to this is because last week, August 21st, we had the very first community let's play and this month's game was No Man's Sky. So I wanted to pick No Man's Sky because, you know, the next update just came out where they've really uh, improved the game and added to it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I was really interested in it when I was learning all about this new update and thought, you know, this is a cool game. I want to check it out. I played it before like a lot of people in its early release and was not really impressed because it made these huge promises and lacked a lot of features that we thought were going to be in the game. And so these this this update specifically showed that uh, they had hopefully fixed those mistakes and so I wanted to give it a shot. And so uh, I played the game for, well I played in preparation for it so I, saw, I got to see some of the updates before uh, you know, last week where we got together and played it. Um, but Coleman Dean and Brian Paquin, two GAF community members, uh, I mentioned them on the show many times before, uh, joined a game with me to play No Man's Sky. And I just wanted to talk to you guys about the experience that we have with that. So first of all, let me say, No Man's Sky is still, to some degree, uh, a cool, unique game. Okay, I'm not going to disregard that. But it's execution on certain things is just really not great. So the first issue that we ran into when we wanted to team up to play multiplayer was we had no real problem getting into a game together. But the problem was trying to figure out how we could do missions together, right? Um, Brian, myself and Coleman were all at different stages um, through the kind of the main storyline that they present you with. And so uh, we had our quests, uh, all our quests showed up, but um, they were all different, of course, right? Because we're uh, at different stages in our our careers or whatever in the game. And so I was hoping that there was going to be some sort of easy function where that we all join a game together and join a session and then basically start up a mission where we could go and do something uh, really easily, right? Go to a character, an AI character in the game, you know, accept a mission and then go do the mission, right? And then go from there and just rinse and repeat, right? And hopefully have fun along the way. Well, 
the first issue is, is we went to like the space station where it's kind of like a hub where you can kind of trade your materials and stuff. And we could not for the life of us find out how to start a mission together. Looked it up online, looked it up on Reddit, looked it up on Google, looked at different wiki guides. And I even looked on the No Man's Sky website that basically outlined it. I can't remember the name of the spot you had to go to, but it listed how where you had to go to start multiplayer missions. And I couldn't find wherever this person or wherever this place was within the, the space station. And we spent a way too much time trying to figure out how to get together to do a mission. And so after you know, going from there and then we flew to the a freighter. Again, we, we don't really have much knowledge on, on the game because we're all big noobs when it comes to it because, you know, a lot of us tapped out early on, like I had mentioned. So we didn't know the general mechanics of the game to begin with, but I, it shouldn't be that hard to find a way to start the mission, right? And so after we wasted a, a solid half hour or maybe even an hour trying to, to do all that, we... So, you know what? Screw this. Let's go into like sandbox custom mode and just mess around, right? So, we did that, got into a planet, all three of us, and started building like crazy shit. Like, it was just wild. We, you could basically have unlimited resources so we could build, you know, bases and stuff. And so, um, you could also get all the vehicles. And so, we built like jumps for our, our cars and stuff. Coleman built this big tower base that was just like legit like me and Brian turned around and Coleman Dean's got like a 10 story sorry Coleman I, I, I just gotta call you by your full name Coleman has a, a 10 story like nightclub with like LED lights going around it um it was it's just it was, that it got started to get pretty fun right when you could kind of mess around but of course that only lasts so long um I couldn't see myself doing that for too too long because it gets repetitive, right? You can only build so much. You can only do many, so many things in custom mode. Um, it eventually will get repetitive. So that's that was our experience. I just wanted to take the time to tell you guys about that in case you didn't watch the stream. We had some people uh, come and check it out, but there was a, a bit of technical issues at the beginning because we couldn't figure out how to get party chat, like Brian and Coleman's voices to show up on the Twitch stream. They could hear me through it um and it's actually really funny because at the beginning when me and brian were trying to figure it out uh we got up to like nine or ten concurrent viewers which is a lot for me who literally is just starting off on this and i don't know maybe some of them were bots or just like spam accounts or whatever but there's 10 people and they were there for a little bit probably just watching me and brian trying to figure this stuff out and then the second we started streaming I think we averaged three viewers which would have been me watching the stream while playing Brian while watching the stream and I think Coleman was watching as well so when we got up to four we're like oh well at least a one person is watching us but I mean you're not going to get all the viewers on the first time um and yeah so I it's something that I still want to do each month but we'll have to figure out what games and of course I want to make it accessible to not just people with PlayStation 4s. Uh, if you have an Xbox One, of course, I have an Xbox One. If there's games on there that you want to do, um, suggest it. So take this time, if you're still still with me here on this, this topic, 
write into me at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com or message me on Facebook or Instagram and just give me a suggestion on what game should be September's uh, community let's play. And yeah, we'll take a week to kind of throw out some suggestions and then I'll give them to you guys. I know that October, well, I'm thinking October is going to be Red Dead 2, uh, unless Red Dead Online isn't being launched with Red Dead. We might have to wait wait for that, but um, I know I'm probably NHL 19 sounds like a game that I'd like to do on maybe both PS4 and Xbox One. So yeah, just let me know what you guys are, are looking for and then we can start throwing out some ideas to you guys and see who's interested in. Um, back to my comments about streaming i now got all the the stuff that i need in order to capture my retro consoles like my nintendo 64 or my gamecube um i can't believe i like the gamecube is now i would say classified as like a retro console right like when you think about it, that's like three console generations ago in like the early 2000s right so like that's like getting getting pretty retro there maybe not in, when we look back to like the 80s of nes and snes but anyways sorry i tested out i'm able to stream my nintendo 64 so um go over to twitch.tv slash games are fun podcast make sure you follow me and also get notifications so you know when i'll go live i'll try to post for you guys on the facebook page of when i'm going to be live streaming but it's going to be pretty random because i don't really have a set schedule it's kind of like whenever i have a first, you know spare spare time i hope to stream some stuff but one of the games i really want to do is pokemon stadium 2 i want to do a live stream of where i basically battle all the gym leaders and the elite four and stuff um so that's just one example of something that i hope to do in the future so Let's get on to everything else now that I'm done talking about stuff that happened last week. So Cyberpunk 2077. Wow. Okay. So a little bit of background information for those of you who don't know about Cyberpunk 2077. So CD Projekt Red is the developer of Cyberpunk 2077. Of course, CD Projekt Red is most well-known for developing the Witcher series. Um, and of course, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which was their most recent major release. And that uh, game was very, very well-received. I myself really enjoyed it, not having known anything really about the Witcher before uh, jumping into 3. Um, most of you should know what the Witcher 3 is, so I don't need to go in, into explaining that like you guys are can't just go look it up for yourselves but just for context um the witcher 3 was a very in-depth open world game there was lots of side missions the environments were really awesome um the worlds were full of life and full of character and so you know it was very well received because of that CD Projekt Red did a really good job at creating a really amazing, huge universe in this uh, in this series of The Witcher. And so when they said that they were working on a cyberpunk, um, you know, future dystopian open world game, of course that got a lot of people excited because first of all, that is a really cool um, genre in itself, right? 
of cyberpunk if we look at like blade runner and there's so many other different variations of the cyberpunk genre so to think of that and then to think that it's like the same caliber like if they could do the witcher 3 but do it in a different setting that's like could not be any more different from the witcher it's just i know that i was just immediately pulled in by that they just had to tell me that much and i was almost sold on like yep i don't care take my money i know that this is going to be a freaking awesome game and so um once they announced it they had a short teaser trailer that was released a couple years ago i don't know how long ago now and then they kind of went quiet and did not mention anything about it um for a long time and that's of course because they were in development of it or at least we hope they were and of course e3 2018 came around and they actually showed a uh, cinematic trailer on the xbox stage and they also had a live gameplay uh or sorry it was pre-recorded it wasn't live but it was gameplay footage that was shown to um the gaming media and other uh, people in the in industry behind closed doors, uh, they, they showed a demo. And so once they showed that to the media, of course, the media was just like, this game is awesome. And so they tried to do lots of articles and videos talking about what they saw. But of course, that only goes so much. So even today, take what I have with a grain of salt. Um, it's really hard to describe everything in a gameplay footage especially because it's it was 50 minutes long but eventually they uh yesterday um they did kind of released it in a really interesting way so um basically what cd project red did is they put out this weird twitch stream on their twitch channel that basically showed all these kind of like uh lines of white code on this black background so lots of numbers and letters just randomly being generated and then eventually after uh that uh went on for quite a while um for hours actually the it began to reveal the full playthrough demo of cyberpunk 27 2077 that was shown at e3 um 2018 so they Show the same footage. Now, before I start talking about what I saw in the gameplay footage, pause this podcast right now and go watch the footage if you haven't already. I'll, I'll This can wait. Honestly, gaff is every week. If you haven't watched this yet, you need to go do that. I don't want you to be spoiled by just hearing me talk about it. It's really worth the watch. Now, be warned, it is 50 minutes long, so you're going to have to set a little bit of time of your day to watch it but seriously um i think everyone should be watching the this gameplay because it looks just amazing um even if you have this isn't really interesting you i think you should give this game a shot because or show a little bit of interest in it because i think it honestly is going to be uh changing the industry as a whole they're going to define what a great open world game looks like so go watch it i'll wait And welcome back if you pause the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it if you watched it. Um, you're probably freaking out like I was. So let's talk about it now. <laughs> so um, basically the first thing that uh, was made very clear at the beginning and even during the gameplay was 
they really wanted to make sure that the viewer was aware that this game is not a final product, of course. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 does not have a release date yet. Um, they're pretty deep in the development stage of the game, but you know, there's probably going to be a pretty large gap of time between this initial trailer and you know the next thing we see closer towards the actual release of the game. So yeah, they, they warned this is what it looks like today. Nothing's final. It could change. It might not even look the same um, as it does here today. And I get that because, you know, if we look back at previous, you know, when you announce a game, excuse me, when you announce a game too soon in uh, the development process, you can face uh, some backlash when you release a game that looks completely different from what you initially showed on it, right? Whether it's like No Man's Sky, where you promise all these features and none of them actually appear in the game, or if it's like Watch Dogs, where it looks really, really good, but then when it's actually released graphically and performance-wise, it is not what was initially shown and does not nearly meet uh, what expect expectations were had on it. So um, it's smart that they really get upfront about that and clarify that this is not going to be the same game. You know, um, it's probably going to be very similar, but you know. You have to take it with a grain of salt. Don't get mad at them if some, you know, feature that's shown in the game is does not line up with what the final release is. There's also going to be lots of stuff that didn't look like it was doable in the gameplay. And then when you finally get your hands on the game, there's much more to it uh, and a lot more features than you had actually expected. So I guess it can work both ways. But um, I just thought that was kind of funny on how they really, really emphasized that. Um, but very unsurprised with them addressing that right off the front. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was just how uh, it, this game has a different feel, obviously, with its setting compared to The Witcher 3. Um, nowhere near, like I, had, like I had said previously, the same kind of world, whereas The Witcher is kind of in this fantasy world with monsters and you, you have swords, and it's also played from the third person's perspective. Cyberpunk is first-person perspective and in this, you know, futuristic setting. So very different feel um, right off the bat. You wouldn't even know it's actually developed by the same company um, besides the fact that the only thing they share in common is a really expansive open-world uni universe. So what was really cool to me was just how lively the world looked. So we got to look at some missions specifically they showed one major mission that they uh partaked in which i'll talk in a, a little bit but what i wanted to say is when we're kind of at the beginning of the the footage shown there is uh you're walking around in the world and it's talking about this city that you're in can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but um regardless you're in this city that's very futuristic um the style choices are very cool very cyberpunk and there's just so many characters and so many things to see. You could just like pause at any frame and look at the environment and look at the buildings and look at the people that were there and that all these people were interacting. And like from my understanding, it looked like you could go up to any one of them and strike up a conversation. Um, so that was amazing. You know, you have uh, vehicles as well as um, just a variety of 
different types of characters. They don't all just look like a copy and paste generic person. There's like people of different statutes and physical appearances. And so that was just amazing to me. It was breathtaking, honestly, to watch uh, that world. Of course, will it be able to perform like that on an actual, uh, you know, gaming console or PC? Here's hoping. I think they'll be able to pull it off. But that was just the one thing that really really blew me away and then the other thing was <clears throat> just how the how basically it went from uh how do i explain this from like you walking around in this open world environment and just a smooth transition into a game a mission um without any hiccups or any stoppage in in play right there's of course there's no loading screens there's lots of games that do that but just the way they transitioned from one part of the way where you were at one part of the map and you walked or drove to another part of the map it just was very seamless um which really grabbed me um that was really cool uh to say the least like for example when she gets into the car to talk to that uh guy with the dreads and whatnot he they get in the car and they drive and it's like a cut scene that you're kind of can look around and you can give your responses to the character who's talking to you and then they get out she the main character gets out of the vehicle and uh you're just like on another part of the map right like it loaded that part of the map as you progress to it so uh in in the form of like a a soft cut scene right so that was really really sweet um, I forgot to mention at the top, of course, they talked about character customization. And so you have full customization to your character. You can pick its sex. You can be male or female. You can uh, customize it fully in its physical appearance, but you can also give like backstory to it. You can add more than just a name uh, to your character you can add different things they talked a little bit about like the class system of course it's an rpg games role-playing game so um, you're going to have special abilities you're going to be um, have attributes in certain areas so that stuff all comes with an rpg game but it just it looks <laughs> like everything else they say I'm, I'm probably going to be like using a lot of the same buzzwords here but it just looks very much um, in depth and very detailed the small details are what can take a game to an extra level i think and so that was really sweet um the combat that they showed off with the the gunplay right the first person shooter element of it looks really cool it looked very fast paced very um responsive of course this is auto-generated in the sense that they're not actually well I'm sure they were controlling this character, but you never know with the trailer of how much of this is, you know, code punched in a computer for a character to go somewhere or if it's someone actually controlling that character. But it looked very responsive to me, the mechanics of it all. Um, there's the, what was really, really cool was, I'm not gonna go into the details of the specific mission that was shown, but I did wanna highlight one thing that, really stood out to me and that was the sense of like choice on how to do things in a game so why do we like playing video games well a lot of us like playing games because of that freedom of choice on making decisions on what to do next sure there are certain games that are very linear and hold your hand and point you in the right direction everywhere you go and there's other games that give you no direction but 
regardless, we like to be in control of which way we go, right? Um, whether that's just a matter of physically controlling the character on which way they're walking, or if it's in the sense of making up a decision when you're given, uh, being asked to make a decision. So what was cool is when they showed this specific mission that they were doing, they, there was a, the narrator on the gameplay footage was talking about how you can, you know, use force to do a mission or you can kind of go the course, course of playing it out cool, you know, doing what was asked of you. Um, or maybe you do a combination of the both, right? But what's sweet is that it could turn out very different depending on what you do, right? It's not, I don't know how, it, from the sounds of it, it sounds more expansive than just like, here's path A and here's path B. And it, regardless, it will it will end in the result of C or C 2.0 or whatever. Um, geez, that's a lot of numbers and letters. Uh, but you, I hope you get what I'm saying. Like, it's not like um, there's one or one or two decisions on how to get to the final result. The way they made it sound is that, you know, everything you do can impact on what happens next, just like in real life. We don't know what's coming next, but our actions can really f transform the future. And so that was really sweet, that freedom of choice in there. And it was just crazy the amount of detail on this one specific mission. And so who knows if this is an example of like, uh, the main storyline mission. I, I don't know if side quests are going to be to the same level of detail, but to think that after this 50 minute clip was all basically centered around one mission, to think that that was one mission that you could do in a multitude of ways. And then at the end of it, there's probably so many more other missions to do that can take you into different parts of the world. It just, it really blew my mind. Like, and I saw... You know, whenever there's something that gets a lot of hype behind it, there's always going to be naysayers that talk bad about it. And people were saying, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 just it doesn't look very impressive to me or it's not really grabbing me. And to them, I say each to their own. But at the same time, you cannot deny that this game looks like it is revolutionizing the open world genre of video games. Like, I am so excited for this game i uh the level of detail in it and just the like i mentioned earlier the, the level of small details is just is insane and so i just <laughs> i want to see more of it um it looks really awesome i can't wait to see more about it i'm i don't know the other part of me is like i don't know if this is going to be a current gen console release it could be a late xbox one ps4 release but it seems much more likely to me to be like a launch title for the next xbox and the next ps4 the ps5 or whatever you want to call it um that seems more likely to me at least so we'll see i guess only time will tell um time goes by fast i remember when i saw the first trailer for grand theft auto 5 i'm like man i need this game now and then eventually it came out and it's still play, being played today. So um, we'll have lots of time in between here and its release, but it will come sooner than, than later.
Okay. I'm taking a breath now because that was a lot to, to talk about. So let's transition into a similar topic. I teased at the top of the show, open world games. What makes them good and what makes them bad? So first I want to talk about why do we like open world games? And my opinion on the topic is I think the reason why some people, at least a large majority of gamers, are so attracted to open worlds is just, again, as I just said, that that giving the freedom of choice, right? Giving the player the opportunity to go where they want in the game and do what they want. And so open worlds are great because it's like a very large environment where you can kind of choose your own path. Um, if you want to just, you know, mess around in the the environment and, and do that, you can. If you want to focus on doing missions within the game, you can do that. If you want to do a mixture of the two, you can do that. It's just like there's so many possibilities. Um, and I think that is what makes an open world game good is giving uh, a good balance between the two, giving an environment, um, giving the player an environment that is detailed, that has lots to do in it, um, giving the player lots of options of different missions they can do. If they want to just do the main storyline, they can, but if they want to do side quests and go explore the world in that regard, they can as well. I think that's what makes an open world game fun. And it's done well when they pay attention to the small details. Where an open world game can fall flat is when you have this big physical space that's really big, but there's nothing specifically to do in it. Something that kind of, again, that sticks out to me that fits fits that definition is Ellie Noir. Of course, Rockstar powerhouse in the open world game genre with, you know, Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead. Ellie Noir was a really cool concept. And I know that their focus was on like the interrogation and um, trying to solve the crimes and stuff. But you had LA in the 1930s and I think it was 30s, maybe 40s. I don't know, around that time. And there's, you know, only so much to do in that time period. But you, it was just this big open world where you couldn't really do anything. You couldn't really go into buildings all the cars drove basically the same way. Um, all the AI characters were essentially copy and paste in my eyes. And so uh, there was like, why have this here, right? Why create this open world space when, you know, no one really wants to take the time to go and explore it. And so, yeah, I think there's that's something that developers should look at. They shouldn't just be making an open world game for the sake of making a wide open space for characters to walk around in. Um, I was thinking of like, I just played Shadow of the Colossus, the remake of the, the PlayStation 2 game. Really cool game. Uh, mechanics of the game are a little dated. There was a little, my criticisms to it was the controls were kind of wonky. And apparently they're improved from the PS2 version. But not not the focus I'm trying to talk about here. The game centered around defeating these colossi that were in this open kind of environment. And what was annoying to me is that you would have to get to the colossi by 
pointing your sword in the air and following the lights. The light would shine on where your next colossi that you had to to be was located. And it had this big environment that was just empty. And so it was like, I get when this was, I get that, you know, it's, it's PlayStation 2. It's not, uh, they're not necessarily have the, the development to be able to make something with lots of detail, but it just, it, uh, it's just like, why have all this open space when you can at least add some sort of uh, extra elements to make it more, more fun and give a better experience to the player. So, yeah, I think uh, that's what, sorry, going back to Cyberpunk, it's just, I think that's what really helps um, what with Cyberpunk to, to sell to the, to the player um, is the fact that there's so many things to do. You're really going to get your money's worth and your time's worth by exploring these environments. So the other thing that I think of when I think of open world games is I think some, the reason why some people don't like it. And again, I'm only, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm just, this is just my, my thoughts around this subject is it can be really overwhelming. I know that when there's a game that is very linear and has, you know, objectives that I can kind of check off like a checklist I do like those games as well because sometimes giving me the option to do whatever I want can be really overwhelming. You're just like, okay, well, where do I start? Or there's so many things to do here. I feel like I'm never going to be able to complete this game. And so that's that's too daunting for me. I'm going to back out, right? And to be honest, as someone who is really a big fan of open world games, I have felt like this at times. I can't give you specific examples of games, but there's definitely been a ton of them where I have experienced a lot, a lot of times where I have, you know, just not wanted to continue playing the game because it just felt like it was never going to end. So I think, again, if there's a balance of just all these elements, um, it can really, really make an open world game, uh, more widely accessible uh, to players. So I just wanted to talk about that stuff with you guys because um, it was just a topic that came into my head when I was watching the gameplay footage. And yeah, so let me know what you think about open world games. Um, I'm interested to see you guys, the listeners. Do you like open world games? Um, What is one of your most favorite open world games and why? I'd like to know kind of the reasons on why you don't or do like an open world game. Okay, now moving on to the question of the week. But before we get to this week's questions, we got to listen to your guys' responses of last week's question. So the question last week was, uh, do you have to complete a game completely in order to consider yourself a fan of it and so yeah uh it's a bit of a tough question because i think people are kind of split on what they think about it so brian paquin you know him gaff community member uh never misses a pod he wrote in and says to be honest i have to say yes you can't call yourself a diehard fan if you haven't finished the game but i remember loving games because i couldn't beat them super meat boy is a great example i'm like 98 percent complete 
but I fucking love that game and call myself a fan. Can I tell you every detail of the game? Hell no, but I freaking love it. Or here, take my beloved Pokemon franchise. I'm pretty sure I couldn't get past Surge when I was like six, but I could tell you everything about Pokemon like it was my day job. So no, you can't call yourself a diehard fan of a game if you haven't finished it, but you can be a fan and even call it your favorite game. Here's my twist. Can you call yourself a diehard fan if you haven't reached a game's true ending? A la, a la Halo 3. That's my French. You like that, Brian? Um... It sounds like I said, like, Allah. Because um, I definitely be Halo 3, uh, call myself a fan, but because I didn't get the real ending, I feel like I'm not in the same category as those who did. Of course, he's referring to beating Halo 3 on Legendary to get uh, the true ending, not just the ending you receive for being the game on easy or normal. Um, and then I asked him, uh, what's your thoughts on backlog games? So games sitting on the shelf waiting to be completed. Um, is it okay to beat a game and put it back on your shelf and still say you enjoyed your time with it? Because I think that question kind of ties into this, right? Um, it's a good question. I have so many backlog games. I think about games in terms of entertainment. If I didn't finish it or feel like finishing it is a chore, then I'm no longer entertained, so why go back? They already have my money, I don't owe them the completion, so in my view, it's hypocritical if you haven't finished a game and shelf it while still calling yourself a true fan of the game. Side note, my current backlog game is the new South Park game. I find the game super entertaining and am a fan, but I, I haven't finished it and I don't know when I will. However, am I right? raving the game and going online to see what the game's community is doing? No. So I'm clearly not as much of a fan as I could be. Okay, I got a lot to pull apart here, Brian. Um, great response, first of all, very well articulated and brought up a lot of points I actually never thought about myself. So my thoughts on this is starting off with saying that, you know, you can't call yourself a diehard fan if you haven't finished the game. I think that's true, you know. I think if you consider yourself a diehard fan, um, and I'm talking the figure of speech here, not uh, a fan of the movie Die Hard starring Bruce Willis, uh, great film. The, you know, if we look at that definition, I think it could be defined as somebody who is really uh, not obsessed, but just like a, a true um person who is you know knowledgeable about the topic and really enjoys it a lot um so i think one element uh, to call yourself a diehard fan is is knowing and really being ingrained in the culture of the game i think there's a difference between a diehard fan and calling yourself some uh somebody who you know uh I can't think of a, an official title, but there's a, a difference between being a diehard fan and somebody who just appreciates the the piece of art or whatever the media is uh, just as a whole, right? Like I consider myself a diehard fan of, jeez, um, <laughs> like I can't even think of anything. I'm a diehard fan of Ocarina of Time, right? Uh, Legend of Zelda. I have beat the game many times. I am very ingrained in the culture. I know a lot of the lore around the game. 
I even watch uh, current live streams of the game today, even though the game came out in 1998. I'm very much a fan, a diehard fan of the game. Whereas a game like, let's see here, uh, Fortnite is a great example. A game like Fortnite, I'm no, I wouldn't consider myself a diehard fan, but I consider myself uh, somebody who enjoys the game, somebody who respects what it has to offer, understands that it is a game that has really revolutionized the way people play games. And so that's my perspective on that whole topic. So I just wanted to touch on that. Um, And then the other part is like you had mentioned Super Meat Boy is a great example of, you know, not being able to finish the game, but, you know, really, really enjoying myself. Um, I think that also has a really good point to it, right? There are games out there that are just really hard and you're not going to be able to complete them all. Um, I have a ton of games where like the Witcher three, even that I was just talking about previously is a game that I really like. I would say I'm a fan of the Witcher three. Have I beat the Witcher three? No, it's a really long game. I've put 70 or 80 hours of my life um into that game which is not nearly as much as a lot of other people who really like the game but um i think i i got to witness a large percentage of that game i didn't see the you know the final credits of it but um you know i still consider myself a fan of it so i think there are some exceptions to that uh if a game is really hard or just really long and i think you you'll get some slack from the community uh, if you call yourself a fan, but don't necessarily complete it in that sense. Um, so yeah, I you, you say here, so no, you can't call yourself a diehard fan of a game if you haven't finished it, but you can be a fan and even call it your favorite game. So again, going back to the definition of diehard fan versus just a regular fan, I think that's fair points. Um, I'll give that to you there. Um, and then backlog games that I was talking about there. So this is something that I actually get like an anxiety over. I think about all the games I have on my freaking shelf, all the games that are in my digital library on my Xbox one and my PlayStation. And there's just so many that I have not beat. Um, and it stresses me out because, uh, every time I buy a new game, that's a new game that is potentially make its way into the backlog. Um, and so I do get a little stressed over this topic because there's so much great content available to me, but I'm like choosing not to play it. But I think that's okay. I think that's another topic in itself. So maybe I'll save it because I wanted to do a whole episode on that. So maybe I won't go into that too much. Um, but yeah, I think like if you are considering yourself a fan of a game, um, you're not necessarily going to go ahead and put it on the shelf to start playing another game right if you're a real fan you would probably want to completely play it um so yeah i had i had more thoughts into this but as you can see i'm stopping myself because this is some good content for the future um and something I, i want to actually devote a whole episode to is talking about backlog games so um again brian thanks for your response top notch as usual um, let's move on to Coleman. You know him, Coleman Dean. Uh, he sent me an email on his thoughts about uh, 
this question of the week. So Coleman sent in, um, with regards whether you can be a fan of a game without having completed it, I feel like this isn't a black and white situation where once crossing the finishing line, one can begin to call themselves a fan. There are many reasons people might enjoy a game, and I'm not sure we need to be checking for completion before deciding whether we believe a particular person who calls themselves a fan. I would say that the review of a particular game from someone who hasn't completed it should be taken with a grain of salt as they don't know all the game has to offer, but having more people in the world interested in video games and playing them, even if they don't have the time to entirely complete them, is beneficial for the community as a whole. Example, more fans mean more games sold by developers and more money to invest in interesting games. Really awesome response. I like quite a few things in here, Coleman. So I think right off the top, you have it. You've hit the nail on the head. You've said that games, this topic is not black and white, right? There is no definite answer. And that's exactly why I wanted to ask it, right? Um, To see what you guys thought. Um... You know, there, you mentioned that there can be many reasons why somebody enjoys a game. And that's something that I really try to talk about on this show is that as a a video game enthusiast, there are a ton of games I have never played before. Tens of cult classic games or really well-received games, very popular games that I have not played before. But being somebody who is very interested in video games and video game culture, I generally know a lot about, uh, all the different games out there. But I, of course, don't have the time to be able to expose myself to every element of this game. So I think I can sit back in certain circumstances and say, yeah, I really like that game, but more of, I guess, in the concept of it or what it has to offer. Uh, Not what it personally offered me because I've never played it, but what it is doing to the industry, right? Whether it's through what it's doing to the industry in regards to mechanics or how the game's set up or what it's doing to the players, how it's making players feel, how it's having an emotional impact on people. I think that's a really valid point um, that I wanted to bring up there. Um, Yeah, I don't think we necessarily need to check to see for completion. If somebody says they're a fan of something and they believe that they're a fan of it, you know, each to their own, I'm not going to hold a gun to your head and say, you're not a fan of Zelda. You don't know anything about the lore. Um, You know, if they say they like Zelda, I'll take their word for it. But if that person, like Coleman said, wants to give a review of the game and tell me why it's bad or why it's good, I think that's when I need to pull myself back and say, hey, maybe I should be looking at somebody who is much more uh educated in what this game has to fully offer um and so i think that's another topic um another topic uh, completely but uh i like that you brought it up coleman um and my favorite point of this is your last point of course um and that is you know having more people in the world interested in video games uh is something that we want right as gamers we want people to uh to see how much games have to offer this is why i'm doing this podcast is so i can share with my family and friends and everyone out there listening that games are really more than just uh images on a screen and you pressing buttons 
to change those images on the screen. There are, uh, there's just so much more to them than that. And I think that if we allow people to take whatever time they need, whether it's a small amount, like an hour or two, to, to try out a game and say they liked it, um, I think that's fair. Um, I think, again, what Brian brought up is just like, I think that really you would then have to kind of also not necessarily take that person's word when they, if they call themselves a true fan, but I mean, at least you realize that somebody is experiencing the medium that is video games. Um, yeah, if... I would rather have more people playing games for a small amount of time and not seeing them to completion. So, you know, checking out a game for a couple hours and then moving on to another one than I would have having everybody complete games because, or a small amount of people completing games because the more people that play games, and Coleman said it, more games, more fans mean more more games sold by developers <laughs> because more money in the investors' pockets, which means more new interesting games to come out in the future. Um... We're seeing it right now. There's so many games out there because uh, I think the gaming world is growing to really high levels, and we're seeing we're seeing that by all these great games coming out. Um, kind of going on a tangent here, so I'll try to bring things back, uh, pulling the reins here. Um, my just I've kind of summed up my general thoughts on it, but um, I think that if you I don't think you have to complete every game you play. I sure as hell don't. So don't feel bad. Um, and don't feel like you can't say that you're a fan of it. Um, if you've been entertained, if you enjoyed yourself, I think at that point you can call yourself a fan. Um, but don't call yourself somebody who is an expert or a diehard fan like we had mentioned of the game if you haven't really uh, seen everything it has to offer, right? And that's where I'll leave that whole thing so let's let's ask uh before we drag on the show too long here we're almost at an hour the question of the week this week is hold on let me think about it for a sec this is the prep work i do i think of the question in the moment um actually no what i wanted to ask you guys is what do you think is more important in a video game is it the mechanics so um the graphics the way the game performs um the mechanics in the guards of how your character moves or what you do physically in the game or is it the narrative the story behind it um it's to get you kind of thinking about this in a wider range um do you do you prefer a game with really good graphics or do you prefer a game that has a really good story is a game better if it has a really really good story but not great mechanics is a game better if it has really good mechanics but a so-so story i think you kind of get the point here i just want to know what you guys think uh or what you hold more uh to be more important to you personally i know that Everyone's going to have a different opinion, and that's why I'm asking it. So I'll share my thoughts on that next week once I get your guys' responses. So that's it. That's the episode this week. Um, I'm sure I went on a lot of tangents there. 
I'm definitely not going to replay this before I uploaded because it's an hour long and I want to get this up. So thanks to everyone who has listened to the full podcast. If you're still listening uh, here at the almost hour mark, I really appreciate you hanging on and hearing what I have to say on today's topics. Of course, as usual, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, feedback, send them to Games Are Fun podcast at gmail.com or reach out on facebook twitter or instagram um and yeah we will talk to you guys next week uh tuesday as usual um 10 a.m yeah (laughs) okay thanks guys and we will talk to you later